Then can we have the PowerPoint? Thank you. Worship focuses our wavering hearts. Okay, we're coming to the conclusion of this series in whole life uh, worship. And uh, next week, we shall have a little bit of a sort of celebration around it, which will be led by Becca Camplin and Rob Harding. And uh, they've been asking for your contributions. There's still time to send contributions in. And uh, the address is there on the bulletin for you to do that, whether it's pictures or whether it's stories about worship within your life, within your experience. But what motivates us? What motivates us in our worship? Over these six weeks, we have been exploring this whole theme, whole life worship. What it means to be a worshipper on the front line of life 24-7. Not just for 75 minutes on a Sunday morning or whenever we gather. We began by looking at certain passages, taking Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. That's from, from the message. Just let me read a little bit about it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. They're challenging words, aren't they? Taking our everyday life, everything that happens Monday through to Sunday or Sunday through the whole week, every part of it, our waking, our sleeping, our eating. Our starting point was there, along with Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. It's an interesting challenge, isn't it, when you're coming to do something. To have it at the back of your thought and sort of say, would, would God be pleased with what I'm doing here? Will God be honoured in my actions here? Will God be honoured in my response here? In whatever I do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In all our actions, in all our words, would the Lord Jesus be happy to have his name attached to it? Would he be happy to have his name attached to it? That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Whatever we do, whatever we we say there. We've discovered that worship is not simply attending a church service for 75 minutes on a Sunday It is a whole life commitment that embraces our attitudes, our actions, our character and our very language. And we've sought to open that up for each each and every one of us over the weeks. There was that sense in which when John was preaching a few weeks back, he was talking about us having to physically put on certain attributes, certain characteristics. And to be intentional about it. And that word intentional has come through on many occasions through this series. That we have a choice to make. 
It's an intentional action on our part. Today, we hear much about life being stressful, busy, and it being difficult to maintain a Christian witness through the week. Sometimes I feel that we're we're guilty of unconsciously competing with each other to see who has had the most stress or who has had the most busyness or who has had the most difficulty in the week. It's how we respond to that stress, that busyness, that difficulty that counts. Life has never been stressful, stressless. Life has never been without its busyness. Life has never been without its difficulty. Now we have a choice in that. We can either allow it to overwhelm us and sink under it, or we can rise above it. And worship is what helps us to rise above it, keeping our focus, keeping our motivation. For Christians in the Roman Empire, life was stressful. We like to think back, well, oh, if only we could go back to the biblical times. It must have been so wonderful then to have had Paul around and John around. And actually, if we could have gone back to the time of Jesus... Those early churches, hey, wasn't it fantastic what was happening in there, in those healings and the prophecies and everything that was happening? Yes, we can look at it like that. But life was stressful. They were marginalised. They were persecuted. They were put on. And yet somehow they kept going. Somehow they didn't give up. The church at Ephesus are commended for their perseverance. If Jesus was writing a letter to the church at Bratton today, would it commend us for our perseverance in the face of our stress and our busyness and our difficulties? They stayed faithful. They put up with the difficulty and worked hard to please God. This was the church at Ephesus. And yet they had forgotten one important thing. Love. They'd lost their focus. They had lost the reason why they were doing the things that they did. They had lost their motivation. You have forsaken the love you had at first. What a damning accusation. Here of a church that was born out of love. We'll come on to that in a moment or two. It's not quite clear who they have stopped loving. It could be God. It could have been God. It could have been one another within the church community. It could have been the neighbours that they lived out in the world. It could have been all three. In fact, all three seems to be the most likely. Because loving God and loving our neighbour tend to go hand in hand. 
to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now there's a challenge for us, isn't it, today? To love him, to love God with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than standing up in the platform as part of the worship team. Is more important than leading a connect group. Is more important than any sacrificial giving that you may give. The church at Ephesus was being called back to their love relationships. Everything appears to have become mechanical, dutiful, and rather emotionless. They've become detached from the motive for what they do, for, for what they do, love. They're going through the motions. They're going through the motions. That's what they're doing. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, we love that passage, don't we? It speaks so clearly to us, but he has some harsh words about loveless worship. Some very harsh words about loveless worship. I'm not going to read it, it's there on the... But there's one phrase that comes through. It says, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. If I do not have love, I am nothing. I can preach the most eloquent, most powerful, most stirring sermon in the whole world that will leave you riveted. But if I do not have love, I am nothing. John can lead us in the most inspiring worship. And we can lift our hands and we can rejoice and we can even dance if we want. But if it's without love, then it is nothing. So how do we keep our love at the heart of worship? In this letter it just simply says, a three-stage process really, consider, consider what you do, repent, that means turn around, and act. It's intentional. It's our response. It's not saying, oh Lord, I feel so down at the moment. Will you just come and stir me up? Will you come and change it for me? As if we're absolving ourselves of the responsibility of doing something proactive about our own weak spirituality. John writes to this church, he says, consider how far you have fallen from that place where you once were. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. That means turn around. Acknowledge that you've fallen. Acknowledge the weakness or whatever it might be. And turn around. And then he says... And do the things you did at first. Who has to do it? 
Who has to do it? We have to do it. We have to do it. We have to take responsibility for our own discipleship, for our own spirituality, for our own worship, for our own witness. We take responsibility. But what is Paul, what is John writing here? Or what is he saying? How do we? How do we keep love at the heart of our worship? And time moves on, I'm conscious of that. But it begins by reminding ourselves that it is all rooted in God's love. It begins by recognising that our worship is fuelled by an awareness of God's love for us. Can I be very sort of blunt, and I'm speaking this to myself as much as to anyone else. I think that so often I become very blasé about God's love. And I believe as a church we become very blasé about God's love. Oh yeah, God loves me. Sometimes I've been accused of speaking too much about God's love. Well, I make no apologies for it because I believe in the power of God's love for each and every one of us. God loved us first. He has freed us from our sin. He has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve him and his purposes. That's what comes in that first chapter of the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 6. Doesn't that thrill your heart? That God has made us whole and it's his love that has done it. God has made us worthy. God has brought us into his presence. And God has given us a purpose and a sense of direction. And it all comes from his love. It's all out of the overflow of God's love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have called you in loving kindness. When we forget this, we need to come back to God in repentance and receive his love and acceptance afresh. The love of God is the most liberating, captivating, life-enhancing power ever known to humanity. And I say that without a moment's apology. What was it that Paul had prayed for these believers at Ephesus only 30 years previously? Powerful words. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What's the fullness of God? What's the fullness of God? I'm asking that as a question. What's the fullness of God? John writes in another place in the scriptures, God is love. God is love. If you were to cut God in half, what you would find is love. At the very core, at the very being, all-consuming. Paul prayed that they might be rooted that they might be rooted. I love the trees. I don't know about you. 
I love them at every stage of the year, but particularly in the spring and in the autumn. The colours, the freshness of the greens. And I get carried away with them. But shall I tell you what's most important about a tree? It's its roots. Its roots. The glorious colours that we have in the autumn or in spring would be nothing if it wasn't for the roots. And that its roots are in good soil. That its roots are in good ground. Because it's there, it's its root system that keeps it upright and stable. It's it's in its root system that it absorbs waters and nutrients from the ground. The tree needs the roots for its growth, its development, and yes, its repair. Because that's what enables it to get over some of the, the rough buffeting of life. When it's buffeted by the storms of life. And he's saying here, we need to be rooted. Rooted in God's love. That's what he's praying. But do you know what the tragedy of this is? 30 years later, John is having to write to them under the influence of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you have lost. You have forsaken your first love. How that must have broken God's heart. Here was a church that was founded in love. Can I put that in some context? If you think back to the day that the doors of this church were opened, that's when Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians at the church at Ephesus. And you come up to this present day. This is the time when the church there is receiving the letter from John. That's the amount of time, 30 plus years. What a telling indictment. So how do we do it? How do we maintain our love? Spend quality time with God. Spend quality time with him not rushed moments how do I maintain my love with Carol is by spending quality time how many of you go on date nights that's the fashionable language isn't it nowadays date nights they're always just something before you know before got married in my younger days you know you went on dates but that's the fashionable language you have date nights great Do you have a date night with God? Do you have a date night with God? Are you proactive in it? How about reflecting on God's love messages? Very easy to come to Scripture and you read 1 John 3 verse 1. How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us that he has called us children of God. And we just read it and we move on. How about stopping in it? How about just using that as a verse for this week? How about taking it and meditating on it throughout this week? How about fixing it onto your fridge door, onto your car dashboard? How about writing it into your phone or onto your tablet? How about having it there at the front of your diary? How about having it there sticking on your desk? 
reminding you constantly of God's love and who you are, who we are, God's children, dearly loved by the power of his love. And then just very quickly, once we grasp the wonder of God's love, then we need to grow in love for one another. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People say to me, I want to know what it is to witness. I want to grow in my witness. There's your answer. Start loving one another. Start getting alongside one another. Start encouraging one another. Start serving one another. Jesus is using here the sacrificial love word agape, where you're prepared to lay down your life for each other. Love God, love one another, and then what does Jesus say? Everyone will know that you are my disciples. You won't have to worry. You won't have to worry about what am I going to say because you're already saying it in what you're doing. It's one of the accusations that the early church had. They get said against them. Look how they love one another. Look at how they take care of one another. Look at how they look after one another and look out for one another. When we know we are loved and that we didn't deserve that love, we are then able to be recreated as a worshipping people. Not only in word, but in action. And it gets worked out in our relationships with other Christians. Three things. We're coming into Advent over uh, next weekend. You know, as... I always sort of think of first Sunday in Advent at the end of November, but you know, because of the, how the diary falls this year, it's the first Sunday in, in December. But how about through Advent, accepting the Advent Challenge run by the Bible Society? Sign up for it. Throughout Advent, they will send you daily on your phone a little message. And then they'll give you an option of some actions that you could take. Maybe something would be buy a coffee for somebody. Or it may be go and, uh, well, not this time of the year, but mow somebody's lawn. A practical expression. But also, it's just a challenge to make it alive. Or how about a reverse Advent calendar? I don't know about you, but I find it quite disturbing the way, in a sense, the Advent calendar has been hijacked. So you get your gin Advent calendar. So you'll get your exclusive chocolates calendar. And it's more about what, you know, is, um, is in the little packages. Well, a reverse Advent calendar is find a suitable box or basket and then every day through Advent, buy something and put in the box. Not just every any old day thing, but maybe some luxuries. And then at the end of Advent, go and give it to somebody 
or donate it to the food bank for them to distribute it. Because at the heart of Christmas is giving. It's not receiving. Or how about just doing your own Advent encouragement? Find a way of encouraging one person each day throughout Advent. Might be sending a card. It might be texting them to say, I'm praying for you. And by the way, tell them what you're praying. It may be buying a stranger in coffee, you're queuing up in Costa. And you turn to the person behind you and say, what would you like? I want to bless you this morning. Let me buy you a coffee. Who knows where that might, might lead. Maybe it's cook a meal for somebody and take it and surprise them and say, here, I want to bless you. Maybe it's buying a voucher for somebody that you know is struggling and would value at this time of year a voucher to go and spend in Sainsbury's or something. Maybe it's volunteering to a couple that you know to mind their children whilst they go off and do their Christmas shopping. There's nothing worse, well, I didn't think at the time, going and doing Christmas shopping with two or three young children tagging along behind you. How about blessing somebody? Ask God. Love one another. And then we shall find that it's being worked out in the front line. The love we've found in God and developed among ourselves as we relate to one another is then worked out in the front line. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. What's our motivation in worship? It's love. It's God's love. It's God's love for us in the Christ Jesus. And love needs to be our motivation. We're going to draw to a close. I've gone on a little bit, or we've moved on there. But I want us to take at least two songs. I don't know what what songs are, John, but a couple of songs. And, And let's just for a moment, just again, reflect on God's love. And maybe... As we do that, you, want to put, you need to put yourself this morning in a place where you can receive God's love. Maybe you need to acknowledge this morning that, yeah, okay, my love has got cold, or it's not what it was. I need to do something about it. And so, Lord, I'm saying this morning, I want to change. I want to change. I'm going to start doing the things that I used to do. And maybe just as a symbolic way of doing that, I'm just going to invite you to come forward. Just to stand at the front. I'm not going to ask you anything. But it's your point of being able to say, Lord, yeah, this is me. This is me. Things have become very mechanical for me. Things have become very dutiful. I've lost that sense of that wonder of the cross and of your love. And at some point we'll just pray generally over you. But let's lift our voices. Let's praise God.